And we're back. Thanks for joining us on the Coruscant Nights podcast. Again, we're happy to have you here. My name is Cooper, and alongside me, as always, is Mark. Hello there. Jack. Hello, everyone. And our very, very special guest. Guys, please welcome Steph to the podcast. Hello. Hi. Welcome. <laughs> welcome, Steph. We're happy to have you here. Steph is a um, supporter of our podcast and generally uh, likes Star Wars and is getting into it. And we figured it was appropriate for her to be joining us here this evening. So, guys, we're breaking down the finale of season three of The Mandalorian. How exciting. But before we get into that, of course, I just want to go over our socials quickly. You hear me say it every week. We're on TikTok, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Patreon as well. Go follow us on all of, that, all of those um, platforms. It's all under Coruscant Nights. Okay, let's get right into it. So this was chapter 24 in The Mandalorian's Journey. It was titled The Return, directed by Rick Famuyiwa and had a runtime of 41 minutes. There was a lot to go over in this episode. It almost felt like a very basic plot, but had so much stuff in it that just made it really interesting. But before we go into the specifics, I want to get a gist of what you guys thought about it. So I'll start with our guest, Steph. What were your general view uh, thoughts on the on the episode? Um, I genuinely uh, did quite like it, but it did kind of... A bit flat for me it did feel a bit anticlimactic um there were a lot of loose ends it was enjoyable but i feel like it could have been more yeah. yep very good um jack uh yeah look i think because of the season as a whole it didn't feel like a finale that kind of lifted it up so i think i was a bit underwhelmed by it it was very um disney happy going ending which I think could have been a bit more extreme or something, you know, something eventful happening maybe. So yeah, kind of in the middle. Okay. And Mark? I agree with the other two. It was a good episode overall, but given what we had, especially last week's episode, it kind of, as Steph said, felt a bit anticlimactic. Mm. Um, I'm going to take a contrary step. I definitely believe that there were a lot of inconsistencies, maybe misleading steps false steps but i thought overall the episode was really good i think it was filled with some of the best action some of the best cinematography we've seen in star wars um and the character interactions the fights everything felt really powerful so i was i was quite a fan of this episode jack you don't you don't seem very impressed by that no nah, no nah, I, I respect it um i just yeah maybe like when you said the best action scenes and, and i thought the moff gideon fight was kind of it didn't feel like it had that much like depth to it. It kind of just felt like they were just throwing hands every now and then. And then he randomly just grabbed the dark saber hill and whatever. But like, I just felt like there was no emotional impact to that fight at all, to be honest. I felt it was quite lame. Yeah. I mean, um, there were other fights in, in that episode. Yeah. It's not just, I know, I know you're a moth, moth man, but like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The Mando fights were cool, but like even the armorer coming in with like her tools in the air looked a bit cringe. Oh, that was cool. What do you mean? I like no, that. I agree. I think it looked kind of cringy with her. No, it made no sense. Tools. She was going in like this, like she was Superman or something. Like... Yeah. Oh, and Bo Katan was going in like this. I thought it was like cool a Jedi. With the dark saber. Yeah. The tools, not so much. 
I think uh, that episode had my all-time favorite shot when Bo was flying and pulled the dark saber out and just went like this. I loved that. Yeah. That was so cool. It reminded cool. me of Rebels so much. I was about to say that as well. Reminded me yeah. of Rebels as well. Yeah. You know what my favorite shot was in that episode, to be honest? What? It was when Axe Warriors was flying through the storm. <laughs> I really liked that. Oh, yeah. 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 I really liked that shot for some reason. It just looked, I don't know, <laughs> unique. No, that was good. And, you know, for someone who definitely bagged on him last week, it's good exactly. to hear you say something positive about him. He was like my favorite character in this episode, to be honest. Yeah, he was good. He took. He was pretty cool, command. wasn't he? Actually, yeah. yeah. All right. So the way I'm going to go over it, this episode is I'm going to go over the plot and I will ask questions to the rest of the people on um, the Zoom call here and they can chip in their opinions. So we pretty much start where we left off. We're following Bo-Katan. Paz Vizsla has just died. Um, and we'll get into that a little bit later. But they're kind of be- still being chased through the tunnels with the by the troopers. And they send out a... Oh no, Axe Waves has already gone through um, up into the storm. And there's kind of communication back and forth. And the TIE Interceptors and TIE Bombers have been launched. And Axe has gotten the... Um, fleet up in the sky to basically bombard or not, or come back down into the um, atmosphere. And I want to get your th- guys' thoughts on this shot. Um, it was a very long take. As the uh, Mandalorian fleet goes down, uh, the TIE fleet comes up and starts bombing the ship. What, Mark, what did you make of that? I thought it was a nice shot. I liked how they, the, they timed it so well that the Empire, or if you can call them the Empire, didn't even realize it all the troops had already evacuated the ship. Mm. And I thought that worked quite well for them. Yeah. What about you, Jack? Yeah, look, I thought the the way it was shot just made it look so, like, smart play by Axe and the Mandalorians. How, like, usually it's the other way around. Like, they're usually caught out. But, yeah, mm-hmm. it was shot beautifully and just, it, it, yeah, it just looked really cool. Mm. Steph, do you have anything to add? Um, well, I also had it run down as one of my favourite scenes. I just thought it was so cool because it almost felt like it built the tension almost because it showed how close the battle was almost like a right yeah, there. Yeah, definitely, definitely. To each other, so I really definitely. liked it. It was a very cool scene. Um, and then we haven't really seen the effect of the TIE bombers in Star Wars that much, at least the devastating damage they can do, besides the Night of a Thousand Tears, which we saw in a flashback scene in the Book of Boba Fett. Like, they're really powerful. They, they're, what they fire out, or is it torpedoes, iron torpedoes maybe? Um, yeah, they're quite powerful. So it's good to see the um, TIE ships still being featured in, in Star Wars in this sort of media. Where do we go next? We. Uh, I go... wanted to quickly mention, if you don't, if you don't mind. Yeah, go ahead. I felt like the way, I know there were TIE bombers there, but the way the interceptors just completely demolished that capital ship kind of, to me, seemed a bit strong for, like, TIE interceptors. Like, they're just light fighters, essentially. And, like, I you think... would think that ship not only has a bunch of armor, but a bunch of shields as well. But I think because there wasn't anyone manning the ship to, like, kind of initiate that, it was actually on his own trying to, like, fire. Yeah, but, like, wouldn't there still be shields up, surely? That's what I was thinking. And, and like I said, uh, the ship would be armored, and that doesn't need anyone to... To be there for. There's quite a lot of them. No way. <laughs> yeah. I think that's a bit of a nitpick. <laughs> yeah, probably. A little bit. A little bit. 
Um, we cut back to the Mandalorian who's being taken by only two, only two um, Imperial troopers uh, to be interrogated. And of course, what else would you expect from Din Djarin but to fight his way out with the help of his little pal, Grogu. Um, and, you know, it was cool to see them fight together. We actually got to see them fight a lot together in this episode. Um, but Which was cool. It was cool. It was really cool. But in terms of plot convenience or plot direction, in terms of what they were building up last week, that this was going to be an important encounter, what did you guys think of the outcome? Um, okay, I was a little disappointed. I kind of had that, like, Grogu was going to come save him, like, a lot later. And I thought it was going to be like, I don't know, torture going on being <laughs> Din. I just thought it happened a lot earlier on than I thought in the episode. And I just it could have eventuated to something a bit more impactful, I reckon. So, yeah. Definitely, definitely. Well, Mark? for me, I kind of last week assumed that he would get out relatively quickly. Like, I didn't think that would spend much of this episode with him being captured or even killed, as some people were thinking. So it was a lot earlier than I expected, probably, but like I said, I knew it would happen pretty early in the episode. Hmm. I was almost thinking it was actually going to be quite later. I thought we were going to not get much din in this episode because I thought it was going to be more having to rely on Grogu and the other Mandalorians to try to fight to save him rather than him save Grogu. But I don't know. It was kind of just a rushed weird scene why would you only have two troopers on one of the most powerful mandalorians yeah yeah that was probably my main takeaway as well um let's just go with uh moff was too cocky with his troopers yes yeah and we'll get into moff's story a little bit later and how he kind of is involved in this story in this episode but we do get a really really big fight scene between the imperial troopers and the Mandalorians who have um, jumped out of dropships and are joining uh, Bo and the Armorer. And was Axe there? I can't remember. No, he wasn't. He was on the ship. Mm-hmm. Um, and a big fight um, happens. Bo's slicing through people with the Darksaber. Armorer's hitting people over the head with hammers. Oscar Reeves even got a cool sliding shot over the over the platform and then used the knee rockets like Boba Fett. Thought that was oh, I neat. thought that was Bo. No, that was Costco. Uh, I thought it was Bo when I first watched it, but on my second watch, it didn't have the night um night owl markings. Right. Yeah. That scene, by the way, I was not expecting them for that to be an entire aerial battle. I thought they would all land on the, on the ground and, no, and did have that last episode. Land did battle. that last <laughs> Yeah. I mean we did get some land battles, but again, later. Um Din recruits R5, someone who has probably had more plot convenience in the whole season than Moff Gideon has, which is really unfortunate. And he asks him to deactivate the barriers one by one. Very much, I think we might have said this last week, reminded me of um, the room in Naboo for the mm-hmm. Darth yeah. Maul versus Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon fight in episode one. In the fight scene between the Mandalorian and 
the Imperial troopers heading into Moff Gideon's command center. What did you make of the the fight in general? And did you maybe do you maybe agree with my point that the Electro staffs kind of felt like cheap lightsabers? Um Yeah, I think a little bit. The scene, I guess, it did kind of slow down a bit or it wasn't my favorite scene, but like it wasn't too bad, I reckon, but it could have been better, I guess. Yeah. Yep. Um I I just thought it was pretty funny that Mando was using a shield, even though he has Beskar armor, which is immune to blaster bolts. Thought that was pretty funny. I think the the shield and the um the laser sword, whatever you want to call them, was like baton. Like, yeah, literally the baton. It reminded me instantly of um the Finn fight with Phasma and like just the whole sequels with that with those things. Yeah. And that's just an L, so well, yeah. for me, actually, it completely reminded me of Jedi Fallen Order. Oh, oh yeah, troopers. Okay, that, that's that what I. Good. That's all I could see. So for me, I thought that was a good thing. That's a good thing. Then. But I do agree with Cooper. I don't. I didn't actually think about the fact that he was using a shield, even though he has Beskar armor. Mm. And thought about it. Being more conservative. I also, <laughs> if I may say, found it quite funny how it was kind of like levels going through defeats two goes to the next one. I found it. Interesting how every time he went through the next room, if you want to call it a room, he got a new form of equipment. Mm, it shows he's just <laughs> like a video game. Yeah, like he started with well, just what he had: his fists and the knife, the baton mm. and shield, and so on. That's a good analysis, Mark. That's really good. Um, then we get this really, really creepy scene, and it kind of tells us exactly who Moff Gideon is. Din and Grogu walk into this room, and it is a bunch of clones of Moff Gideon. Now, in terms of what kind of the intent for Moff has been throughout the seasons, it's there now. We understand. He wanted to clone himself. Maybe he didn't realize he wanted it to be himself until he realized how easily the Dark Troopers were taken down in the season two finale. But... Is that not really creepy that this man wants to clone himself just to control the galaxy? Yes, it is. Well, I think Palpatine was literally his old thing was to do that. And then the clone... But I just kept thinking how he's basically just trying to be like a Jango Fett with having himself be the donor of all the clones. So mm. I didn't think it was that creepy, but I think because he's like... <clears throat> his intent is malicious. So that's probably what made it makes it worse if they're all Force-sensitive rather than just... Yeah. Yeah, you know. Again, with Star Wars, though, running the theme of cloning. Yeah, what what is all with these shows recently in cloning? Yeah. I think they just need to tone it down a bit with the cloning. Yeah. They need to think of something else. Yeah, yeah. Hey, well, Bad Batch is finishing next next uh, season, so you know we've got to enjoy it while we can. <laughs> okay, um, where should I go to next? Because there's kind of a bit that happens. At the moment. Um, thing at the start with like um is uh when he was looking tracking um din and grogu oh yeah that's right yeah yeah so moff is informed that the fleet above is taking down the capital ship and then he's like no but the mandalorian escaped i'll deal with the mandalorian and then walks off and then din and grogu walk in and see it and then moff throws a fit and is like 
you killed my children you killed me it's like before they could even have their first breath but you had a chance to like defend them you said you were going to deal with din and then you just kind of left and came back you know what made it better is knowing that he stormed out and then turned around went back to hide and wait for him to come (laughs) quite literally quite literally absolutely but during that scene with the cloning, cloning, I didn't even realize that they were being killed, if you will. I just, I honestly thought they were coming out to attack them. Mm. Yeah, I don't know how did how did that happen? Like, how did they all all the things they break open? The ground, like they just like exploded. Like, what do you mean? Like, um, the water pressure was too much. Mm. Yeah. Well, exploded it. That is very convenient that it happens just as Grogu and Mando walk through. But, yeah, huh? Didn't he like do something with the control pad? Did I don't he? think so. Did he? I didn't notice him so. do it. I thought he did. Yeah, no, it was, I mean, it's quite it. possible he did, but I probably just didn't was, catch it. Grogu was just like, got that creepy. I just thought that Grogu just got scared and ran off. No, I think he went to the control thing first, but yeah, it'll be interesting. Yeah, that does make a lot more sense if that yeah. is what happened. Yeah. We kind of still stick with these three characters um mando and moff start fighting and it's hand-to-hand combat which is a nice change and the praetorian guards come out and start looking like their last jedi selves and can't even kill a small child who's just jumping around and i know you i know you guys hate on the last jedi but i feel like you have to hate on them in this episode even more because what were they doing stabbing their swords up into a gap well, to be fair grogu is pretty powerful now with the force so it's kind what, of pushing away for... swords yeah i, think, I, I mean think... if they if he pushes away the swords they're not going to be able to get him i'm thinking more i agree with cooper on this one actually more which is a which is a first rarity rarity <laughs> um i agree with him like i'm not hating on them more than the last jedi because that whole fight scene should be done better but the one here i felt like maybe because like they're obviously different to the ones that we see in those movies so i think there might be like a stage beforehand which means they're not as experienced so they wouldn't have had an idea about someone who can like force jump and all that but what i didn't understand is why couldn't they just cut down the the rail that he was standing and jumping on then have him on the ground like like, and I know they wanted to do only puppeteering with him, but when it comes to fight scenes with Grogu, it is so bad. It looks weird as hell. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Um, we The fight scene between Moth and Mando was interesting because it was Beskar versus Beskar. Um, and it was kind of... We haven't really seen that before. It kind of almost felt like it wasn't really threatening because even what moff was firing rockets from his wrist that didn't do any damage to to mando um i i thought it was interesting but at the same time when you build up something like beskar it's you've got to have a weakness because moff felt pretty much invincible in this Mm. episode until he died and just and that's the same with Mando. Every week, he doesn't feel a threat because of the Beskar armor. So it'll be interesting to see how Beskar plays a role moving forward into the Mandalorian franchise, but also into um, 
future shows as well. Yeah, but see, the thing that I, I think is hilarious about that is how anytime an enemy, apart from Moth in this case, has Beskar on, they always kill him easily because they just go um, underneath the helmet and in the grooves. <laughs> but like yeah. when it comes to like the main characters, they just <laughs> they just seem to not know where to shoot them or hit them. So it's kind of like it just depends on the writing and where the story wants to go because that fight could have been ended in two seconds if Din just put a knife under his helmet. Yeah, but, true. Yeah. <laughs> um, I know yeah. that the whole point of Beskar is that it's very strong, but even with the weapons, I've noticed there's an increasing amount of just lightsaber slash darksaber proof things, which kind of, to me, just makes a lightsaber slash darksaber seem not as cool as it has been because like it just isn't effective yeah yeah i agree um yeah that kind of fight scene kind of contributed to how i found the kind of episode bit anticlimactic like we had this character that you know it's been there for three seasons he's a bad guy and the fight scene just felt kind of pointless and lame it could have been so much better yeah high stakes even yeah Mm -hmm. yeah definitely definitely um I want to return to you, Steph, actually, quickly. What did you make of the Bo-Katan versus Moff Gideon fight scene that happened shortly after um, the one with Mando? Okay. Yeah, okay. So I like... Well, because that was the one where the um, Darksaber was broken, right? Yep. Yeah, okay. So I actually liked how it was broken because... I kind of thought like a main kind of theme for this episode is that it kind of explored how the Mandalorians kind of were strongest when they worked together. And it was kind of evident with, you know, like Grogu and Mando and Bo-Katan are working together at the end kind of. But so I feel like the Darksaber is kind of, it kind of embodies like the Mandalorians' old ways. So by destroying it, it kind of showcases that, you know, they can now move forward and could de-establish last episode that the Mandalorians kind of main drawback was they're fighting between each other so this kind of establishes that you know there's not one leader there's can be everyone working together so I thought it was actually a good thing yeah I was thinking the exact same thing when I saw I'm like because this is the one thing that has united the people that people like just follow they don't care who's got whoever's got the power is the one wielding the dark saber and now without it this this thing that is so historic it's like they've got to rely on something else now they've got to rely on not blood not who has the dark saber but maybe who i don't know i don't know how they're going to go from here because it's clear bo Katan's going to be the ruler um but i mean how are they going to establish it they're going to go back to doing a bloodline thing which would kind of be unfair or will it be become a political maybe elections i don't know Okay, so what is up to interject onto this next point? What is up with um, they're not finishing the storyline of um the last episode's title being the spies? Yeah. Okay, we'll talk about that. Yeah. Okay, so last episode was titled the spies. We speculated who that could refer to, and I think a lot of us in the Star Wars community thought that it was going to be the armorer based off of, um, you know, the kind of ambiguous and confusing nature of her her shots um i'm just remembering back to that one scene it was like 30 seconds long of just her flying the ship up into the atmosphere very creepy very strange 
And the timing as well seemed like, oh, okay, we're setting it up for her to be the spy. And even in this episode, when you didn't see her with the fleet, it's kind of like, oh, okay, she's not there. What happened? But then she kind of announces herself saying, oh, I'm here with your reinforcements, Bo. So in that sense, and we're looking at the spies and the obvious spy is going to refer to Aliyah Kane. But it's titled The Spies. So who is the other spy? And not to mention, Aliyah Kane was only in it for about the first 10 seconds. Yes, why would you have a whole episode dedicated to one person who's in it for 10 seconds? My point on that one is, I feel like they almost, at the time of when they filmed everything and and had their storyline set out, they were going to do like the armour thing, but maybe they just backtracked on it last second since she kind Mm. of just felt so... She only like showed up when she voiced herself over the like the ship um scene and then her with going down with the, the tools and that was mm. it they could have easily just reshot that in like two seconds because she didn't even you barely saw her until like the end in the forge and all that kind of stuff so i was like did they have an idea on using her as like initially to be the spy or was it like meant to be the pirate people or even axe woes but maybe they're like oh it's too obvious so they just didn't like continue yeah. didn't think about it maybe i don't know yeah Look at a theory. What if it was one of the people on that Imperial Council, Shadow Council? That's what I was thinking. Hmm. It could even be Moff himself. I mean, he's not really a spy, but if you think about it, he was basically just using them for resources for his own cloning thing that he wanted to do. But once and again, he's turning turning them all against Thrawn so he could try and get his clone little clone force. Hmm. You don't want to wait a whole season to like find out that answer. Yeah. You- no, that. I don't think it would be that interesting, but it's just some kind of theory. Just while we're on the topic of titles, what did you guys make of this episode's title? I thought it was a bit strange. Yeah. And I didn't really know what it referred to. Um, Mark, do you have... It was called The Return, wasn't it? It was called The Return. So, I mean, I guess the obvious thing is that they've returned to Mandalore. Mm. So... What what would you what could the other one be? I mean, that's what I mean. You could say that it was Mando and Grogu returning to Navarro, perhaps at the end, but that doesn't mm. seem very, you know, groundbreaking. Well, yeah. The thing is, I actually went crazy. So I went crazy when the title came up, also because I was so confident. I was like ninety five percent sure that yeah. means Boa Fett was showing up. <laughs> yeah so and, and, and then he just didn't so i was that's probably why i think that's the whole issue with this episode was because of not just the hype that us fans created but also like the the like the um stunt doubles and everyone was hyping this episode to be so much more than i really don't know what that stunt double was doing when he <laughs> no, he's just got yeah. hate on him probably so i'm just like why do this why like uh. yeah um, we'll get back on track to the plot because we're almost done. Um, whilst we're going to plot, if you don't mind, I want to quickly go back to the fight between Bo and Moff. Yeah, sure. Two things. One about the dark saber is, as opposed to Cooper and Steph, I personally was not a huge fan of the destroying the dark saber. I, I think it's just the fact that they've built up so much importance on it, and also that it's been like you know in the clone wars and rebels 
it's been such an important aspect of these shows and then the, it just goes but the thing is i have a funny feeling they might be reforging it in the new forge that they've oh. created at the end yeah so i do agree i like what you guys said about how like the mandalorians want to work together and that sort of thing but i do have a funny feeling that they might reforge it yes i agree with mark on that one and a new yeah. a new kind of hilt maybe and kind of like to symbolize a new like clan that they kind of have okay and as um, for the actual battle i felt like going back to the whole invulnerability sort of thing it felt like it was just they were trying to push him towards the edge yeah, that's was... all that i noticed like they were shooting him hitting him with the dark saber basically just pushing him closer and closer to the edge what was that moth death because continuing on the pot, hang on hang on hang on hang on it's quite literally almost that though yeah what? no okay all right yeah okay so moth does it looks like he dies. I don't think he's dead, but looks like he dies. No, I don't confirm um, that, do they? I thought it was pretty cool that Grogu and Bo and Din were all teaming up to like inflict damage on him. Damage. Um, <laughs> what What did you guys make of it? Um, uh, uh, Steph, what did you make of it? Um, I did like how they yeah like working together, and I. Th- think it like kind of looked visually cool with like the, like the fire and everything but I kind of do wish that Botan did get to like stab Moth or something just for like a sense of finality especially because you know we found out that he betrayed her really badly and destroyed all her culture and planet and stuff so I would have really liked that instead of some kind of random <laughs> explosion but yeah, yeah definitely yeah what well, about you Jack if you're going off um how we died technically who got the final blow was technically axe woves <laughs> the ship coming down because it initiated the fire so technically he got the final but like yeah it was i saw after the episode i was kind of like okay he's probably not dead but then that happened like at the end of like season one where the tie got shot down and then after it shows him coming a lot like out of it mm. so like i kind of already faked the thing instantly the second one had him captured and escapes the third one, they can't make him fake die and then bring it back when Thrawn's coming into the Ahsoka show. That would just... He just won't have any, like, authority. I feel like that's his kind of story done. Yeah, I guess so. Which is a shame because he's, like, my favourite character in the Mandoverse. But, mm. um... Also, the way he just... He just stood there and was like, Ah! <laughs> I'm dead. But, like, some fire when they were using flamethrowers on them. I was kind of like, no, oh, that was so bad. I was like, what's happening here? Yeah. <laughs> That's what I was thinking as well. They'd been using flamethrowers on each other and it didn't seem <laughs> to affect them at all. Um, Grogu had a nice uh, Kanan Jarrus moment and also a flashback, or not flashback, but like recall to um, his moment in season one against the flame trooper where he oh, yeah. pushed the fire away from him. Yeah, I thought that was a nice callback. Mark, do you have any um, comments to make on that final fight between the three versus Moff? I want to say that there's a running theme of kamikaze as the first one, and the second one of how Bo-Katan with the shield, like it's so small and she, she yeah, thinks okay. it's going to do something. Yeah. yeah, no, that's a good point. Um, Okay. So the battle kind of finishes after Moff dies in his... um holy-like way and then we cut to the great forge which is being um 
fired up again, which I thought was a nice touch because there was such significance placed on it, um, especially in the last episode. And that, that was going to be the civilization, uh, the the home base and how they were going to rebuild civilization from there. Um, and then there is another cut to the mines of Mandalore and Ragnar, Paz's son, is finishing his ceremony. Interestingly, I noted the armor did not say, and you shall not remove your helmet. Mm, I know. Which basically, that. it basically means that uh, accepting of all um, Mandalorians with helmets and, <laughs> you know, without helmets and who choose to walk the way and those who don't. Um, all that I noticed about that is that it was very similar to a Christian baptism. And also I yeah. found it kind of funny how they just tip the water on top of the helmet because I feel like it doesn't really do anything. Mm. But it's probably some sort of symbolic thing yeah yeah and then we get our return to navarro and man oh no sorry i've missed a step and then we go to the new republic planet mando's flying to the new republic planet and he meets carson Tabor again basically says oh yeah we had this covered you know moff wasn't going to be a threat for too long i doubt that if mando didn't step in anyway another great um, day filoni cameo by the way yeah. Oh, really? I didn't notice it. Yeah, I didn't notice him on the other episode, but this time I did. Mm-hmm. He was on the left side of the bar. The opposite. Okay. Hmm. Um, Mando takes interest in the uh, IG unit head, which obviously has a memory circuit, brings the IG story full circle when he returns to Navarro with IG-11 as the new marshal, replacing uh, Cara Dune. Um, Something Cooper has been waiting for the whole season oh. into this story. I mean... I just wanted, I didn't, I wasn't a fan of it, but I put it in my pros list. So, you know, I can't be too, too upset with that. Um, and then the final shot of the episode is just Mando and Grogu chilling at the new house. I thought this That's was it. good. And that uh, was it episode one or two of the season when um, Grief gives or tells him that he has a plot of land he can give him. I, I think it's episode of, one. Ep- yeah, yeah, I think it was episode one. And mm. I knew they obviously wouldn't do it because it was start. Mm. of the season but I thought it just sounded like a great way to, for him to kind of retire sort of thing and yeah. I'm kind of glad that they ended up staying there because I like Navarro yeah and I'm sure we'll go back there in the future um, Steph what did you make of the final shot um, I liked it it was a little like goofy where how it just like zoomed in on them uh, <laughs> but like for like the story of um, Grogu and Din I did actually like how it like ended like I'm actually excited for next season I feel like it will go back towards kind of been like season one and two about yes. Grogu but still have that like component of like the wider Mandalore culture so I feel like hopefully it'll be a bit more balanced next season so. yeah definitely Jack I think um I agree with that point I feel like this season in my opinion felt um a bit more of like the filler season to get the other Mandalorians, like kind of their story completed from the other Star Wars properties to like sideline Din and Grogu a bit. But I feel like now when Armour has said, um, yeah, go off and because he's your kid and apprentice and all that, you have to go on adventures and stuff, which I felt was a bit weird. Why would you force them to go on an adventure? But okay, sure. And I'm also, in. I mean, didn't we all pretty much assume that Mando had essentially adopted Grogu already? Yeah, was I was that? thinking that. And what's Din, Din Grogu? Oh yeah, we got to speak about Din Grogu. Sorry. Um, so Yamra gives 
Grogu the name Din Grogu, which makes me think that Din Djarin's actual name is Jaren. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, Jaren. And we've been calling him Din all the time. Yeah, but everyone... Mm. Uh, yeah, but Jaren Din... Mm. Um, no, no, his last name wouldn't be Din. Din might be, like, a, a different language for, like, Apprentice oh, like, or something. Oh, it could be that. True. Well, it could just be, like, kind of like a crest that he takes up. Like, you know how yeah. some like person's name from the first name? Mm. Grogu, because Grogu is just Grogu, it could be like a last name when people just call him by a last name. So now he's finally got a first name, taken it off his dad, kind of thing. Yeah. Oh yeah, that could that could it's be. Just a roll, roll of the tongue. <laughs> Grogu, Grogu. Jaren would sound better than Din Grogu. But to be fair, no one's gonna call him Din Grogu ever, except for that one time when Grief Cargo did it at the end. Yeah. No, but as in like us in as a society oh, right. and Star Wars community, we'll just call him. Yeah. I mean, people still call him Baby Yoda. Yeah. Literally. Yeah. Um, so that was the episode. Um, if we just go around the table quickly, I'll start with Steph. What was your what was your ranking out of ten for the episode? Um, probably about an eight out of ten. Eight, Jack. Seven. Seven, Mark. I reckon I'm gonna go in the middle and go seven and a half. <laughs> okay. And if I can quickly also say about that last scene, yeah. As Steph said, how it was a bit goofy, like the circular lens sort of thing. It looked like a cartoon to me. Yeah, so I'm not, it just seemed a bit odd. Very Disney. Mm. Very yes. Disney. <laughs> and no no setup for the future, at least for... Well, yeah. I kind of... Last week we theorised the post-credit scene, but... I literally... I'm all like, wrong about that. Even after the nice beat of the, like, the main credits, I literally skipped to the end of the other ones just to make sure there was nothing. Yes, mm. same. Like, Come on, surely. Well, mm. with it. Yeah. Um, would make an appearance. Yeah, I think a lot of people did think that as well, considering they've name dropped him twice in mm. the last couple of years. And he's coming very soon. Yes. Um, I gave it a nine out of ten. I I thought I really loved the action. I really loved the cinematography. As someone who loves how shots uh films look, as someone who very controversially likes Harry Potter and the Half Blood Prince and Star Wars: The Last Jedi. Both films I've shot magnificently. I've really appreciated the cinematography in this one. Um, I thought the cinematography were... was really good as well. Sorry to yeah. interrupt, but yeah, no, I fine. thought that was definitely worth mentioning. Yeah, uh, and that was consistent throughout. And I think Rick Famiglia, the director, did really well with that. So yeah, now we're done with the episode and we've gone through our thoughts. I just want to briefly discuss with you guys what our overall thoughts of the season were. Because... Unlike in seasons one and two, it started off very mis like mysterious. Mixy. Well, not mysterious, but there was a lot happening, and then it kind of diverged into one, and then split off again <laughs> towards the end. Whereas the other two seasons have been very linear about how they're going forward. It's one story and one outcome. So. Again, I'll start. Steph, what were your overall thoughts of the season? Okay. I kind of felt it was almost like unbalanced in a way. There was just like character-wise, like too much broken hand instead of, you know, Grogu and Din or even like plot-wise, like we'd have an amazing episode, like I don't know, episode 21. And then the next episode was like the weirdest episode with Jack Black and Lizzo. Yep. And it just really felt, it almost felt like it was not planned properly, almost like I just feel like the storyline could have been reworked much better that the more like fun episode should have been at the start. And even if the whole 
like Empire storyline started a bit earlier instead of a whole chunk in episode three, that would have given at least some more plot and foreshadowed a greater battle. And I think the creators of the show just didn't do the show justice. I might have had too many ideas. I don't know what was going on, but mm. I still enjoyed it. Cool characters and stuff, but missed opportunities Oops. and lacked potential, I reckon. Yeah. That's a great way to summarize it. Missed opportunities and lack of potential. That's that's probably four words that or five words that would be the best way to describe the season. Anyway, Jack, what were your thoughts? Yeah, so I think it's the weakest out of the three seasons. I would put it number last, obviously, out of the the three, and I think number two is still my favorite than number one. Um, I think they didn't really have a sense of direction. I don't know if it's because other people at the head of executives had to like input their stuff into it for setting up future shows and didn't let John and Dave do it or it was actually John and Dave and they just didn't really know what direction to take it into or um I just think they really tried to make this season about all Mandalorians not just them which I understand but like surely you could have done like a whole different show for that and like show and then you could have the cameos of Boba and um Din you know what I mean come to like Mandalorian I feel like they, and especially with the short run times for majority of the episodes, it yes. just very rushed. Then also the longest Mando episode ever was this season with Dr. Pershing. Mm-hmm. So I was like, uh, not a show. What, what, like, I know why they did it, but I didn't know why they had to make it so long and so dragged. So I just think overall, it was a filler season in my opinion and definitely wasn't satisfied but hey, I guess Star Wars, any type of Star Wars, I guess it's good, but I'd rather it be higher quality than that season. So yeah, that's my opinion. Yep. Mark? I think they've both summarised it perfectly and I would agree with everything they both said. Unfortunately, it's, I had to say it, but as Jack agrees, it's the uh, worst of the three seasons, which is really sad because we're all waiting quite a long time for this show. And as they've said, there was so much filler and particularly that one episode with Eli Kane and Dr. Pershing, I wasn't a fan and I made that clear during that episode about that. And they probably could have done what they needed to with Eli Kane in probably at least half an episode. Like they didn't need to yeah. spend, as they, as Jack has said, the longest episode explaining all of that lore and backstory about the New Republic when it didn't play that important of a role throughout the show. And I think that Grogu and Mando, as you'd expect, because the show's meant to be about them, they should have featured much more prominently than all the other characters, because that's what we all wanted to see the most. 100%. I agree. Like Mark said, I agree with all of you guys about the points you've made. I think it's probably the weakest in terms of storytelling and the direction and the plot was just not focused at all. But one thing that I really did like that I know quite a lot of people don't because the spotlight was taken off Mandu and Grogu is I really loved how Bo-Katan was developed in this series. She was really, really interesting, complex. Her story was deep and rooted and she felt like she really cared about Mandalore and her history. And, you know, it's all in blood and just everything with the Darksaber even. I just, I loved the way Katie Sackhoff portrayed her and I'm glad she's sticking around uh hopefully for more Mandalorian stuff hopefully maybe in Ahsoka but I was I was really impressed with how they handled Bo-Katan this season but overall I'd probably still have it as the weakest season 
Um, I'll ask one more question before we kind of sign off. What I'll I'll go opposite direction this time. I'll go start with Mark. What are your hopes for season four? Honestly, I'd probably say maybe some glimpses of what happens with the Mandalorians and, and Mandalore itself. I don't really not very interested in what happens with the New Republic. And if I do want to talk about that, then I think they should have their own show for it. What I mainly want to see is just season one and season two, Grogu and Mando and just the adventures that they go on. And particularly one of my favorite characters actually that was in the other two seasons was Mayfeld. I was actually quite kind of hoping he would come up again, but unfortunately not. Well, perhaps in the future. Jack? Yeah, similar to Mark. Um, I think they need to refocus what the show really, how it like became popular and how the relationship between Din and Grogu kind of evolves over time. But I also think um, they this season they definitely shifted away from cameos, but then again, it kind of made the world feel a bit small because we only focused on like Paz and like his clan and then Bo-Katan and her clan. And then, you know, didn't really branch out, didn't expand much. Felt like it was, um, so I feel like in a new season, they need to have implications from obviously Ahsoka because timeline wise, if it's going to be in between season three and four, they're going to have to have big implications. And I feel like to make Thrawn and this whole like end point of the Mandoverse movie to be impactful, they need to start either taking out people we like, which I don't want to say like is a good thing, but like they need to make some sort of big threat for us to actually be like, oh, this guy's a real big deal. We got to band together with Boba and Luke and everyone kind of thing, you know? Yeah. So maybe like that in the next season. Yeah. Steph, what do you reckon? Um, yeah, I definitely agree with what the others have said. Um, I like a few new faces that, you know, two characters could interact with a bit more. Um, but mainly I just want some more character development, like the, like, like Din and and Grogu felt quite flat this season and just want a bit more with maybe Grogu's history or like Din's like hatred toward droids or something. Just, I just want to explore their characters a bit more. Okay. I completely agree. Um, I think I, we've now we've had the history of Mandalore and the culture and we're moving forward into uh, reforging and rebuilding. That's obviously going to be important to see the role that Mandalore plays. But in terms of maybe where Din's headed, I feel like now that he's working for the New Republic and he was kind of mentioning going back to his bounty hunting ways, I feel like perhaps we are heading back towards season one where it's going to be a bit more um, gritty action and not childish kind of one-off fights that are easy. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'd probably just agree with you guys, but, um, yeah, I definitely think that we've we've done all of the backstory and everything now we're looking to the future and i think what the end of this episode did really well was set up mando's story heading into the um dave filoni movie um so we'll, it'd be interesting to see how it all plays out but that was a really good discussion guys i'm really happy with uh what we discussed i hope you guys listening enjoyed um just before we do sign off i want to let everyone know what our plans are for the coming weeks because obviously this was the finale of season three and we've been doing this breakdown for eight weeks running so we kind of don't have anything 
or a show to run by anymore. But that's fine because we're getting more into opinion-based stuff. We're going to talk about, actually, our next episode coming out will be about The Bad Batch and Ahsoka. We'll chat about that quickly. But then we'll go into opinion-based stuff. We're going to talk about favorite characters. We're going to do a, a big um, debate-style tournament on different Star Wars topics, which should be really fun. And, you know, we might um, throw in a couple more different things, hopefully have on some more guests. Um, but, yeah, the the future's definitely exciting. And, obviously, when Ahsoka comes, we'll be breaking that down as well, reacting to that, just like we did for The Mandalorian. So, thanks for listening, and thank you, Steph, for joining us. We uh, really appreciate having you on, and we're glad that you're enjoying our podcast. And I'm sure this is not the last time we'll see you on here. Yeah, thank you so much for having me, guys. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Thank you for coming on. All right. Um, yeah, I think that's it. So see you guys.